Father, we thank you for uh, this book of Deuteronomy. It's often neglected, but I'm grateful, God, that we're uh, sticking it out, wanting to be in it to figure out more uh, about you, your ways, your desires for people, uh, how to live differently from this world and to be taught differently uh, because you alone are divine. And we thank you, God, for that. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Deuteronomy 8, and this is the last week we're going to be in Deuteronomy 8. Please uh, don't mistake uh, me going on and on and on in a chapter as just trying to waste time. I promise that's not it. A lot of times going on in uh, Old Testament books, you find that there's not a lot of knowledge about it, only for the fact that we haven't really spent a lot of time in it, or uh, the majority of the commentaries that are available out there about Old Testament are trying to relate Old Testament subjects directly into the church and a lot of times in doing so they end up putting people who have been redeemed by the grace of God under the law that was given to Israel Uh, and and this ends up being what's known as covenant theology or replacement theology it's the idea of uh, uh, of trying to mix Israel and the church together as one entity and it's not there are two separate plans of God the church beginning in Acts chapter 2 is a completely brand new different thing uh, that is going on so the question might be why in the world do we read the old testament then uh, has anybody ever wondered that you love the old testament it's good okay so let me let me do something real quick that i think is interesting put your finger in deuteronomy 8 and let's turn to romans 15 and show you real quick something that the apostle paul gave us about why in the world would you want to go back and look at the old testament Real quick, did, has anybody picked up these reading plan sheets back there? Man, I love it. It's really cool. And there's no pressure like January 1st, you've got to read this. I'm so thankful for that. Because I'm like, I failed at life. I didn't get it done. That's how I feel. <laughs> you guys get to glimpse inside my head a little bit. So, uh, Romans 15. Look at verse 4. Excellent verse. For whatever was written in earlier times, now that's when you click your pen and you write OT, right? The Old Testament. Was written for our instruction. Why? So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. Notice that reading the Old Testament is meant to give you perseverance and encouragement so that you don't lose hope in this hopeless world. Everybody see that? Good stuff. Very good stuff. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell you what, it testifies to just how close and personal He desires to be. You know, God, just because we're in the church doesn't mean that God has changed. We're just learning more and more about Him as we move forward in history. So the Word unfolds all of that stuff for us, so that's excellent. Now, here's something that was interesting. I had an excellent text message conversation with Carol because I gave you guys a charge last week, and it was every time you feel the need to grab for your phone and play Candy Crush or whatever it is y'all are doing, right? Check an email. This is how important I am. I got to get on Facebook and post what my grandkids did, whatever. You call a timeout, and you reach for the Word instead. Carol, you want to share? She did it. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't do it. In fact, I found myself going, why am I on this dumb thing? 
Didn't I tell everybody else it's not a good idea? I'm so dumb. See, the person I'm preaching to is me. So, hold on just a second. Yes, we're giving you the mic. No, it's good because we've got, no, because we got people in the back like Dave, Mary, and Terry sitting in the back. Everybody might be able to hear you, so that's all I'm asking. Okay, so I've been convicted even before you said something about how much time I was wasting just sitting there playing these silly games on my phone or being on Facebook or whatever where I could be spending time in God's Word. So I took it. I took your challenge this week, and every time I sat down for that, okay, I need to sit down for five minutes and do check my phone or whatever, I have, I have Bible Gateway on my phone, so I would pop that up. And I started reading 1 Samuel because it intrigued me with your Saul. Mm-hmm. And so I read that, and I kept reading. So I read 1 Samuel. I read 2 Samuel. I'm halfway through 1 Kings. But it's amazing what God has just drawn me and drawn me closer to him and kept him top of mind for me as opposed to what was on Facebook or what was my um, next level I had to beat in that stupid game I'm playing or whatever. And so it was really very awesome this week to be able to do that and to read these books that I haven't read before and it was almost like reading a a story. I mean, it is a story, but mm-hmm. it's it, you're like sitting there going, okay, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Where is this going to go from here? What's God going to do here? You know, so I'm like, I, I found myself where I was like taking time to sit down and read because I wanted to as opposed to just, it was just really You're going, no, David, cover your eyes. I know. <laughs> and, then, and Saul, I'm like, Saul, you're such a jerk. Why yeah. are you doing this? <laughs> Why are you being so arrogant? You just are like a show for the people. You don't care about what God is doing. You know, all of this stuff. And I'm going, all of that. It was really great. It was a lot of I'm- uh, really fun. good i'm telling you if you do some of this you're gonna put some girls you're gonna put some of your romance novels at the second hand store i'm telling you be good some of you guys will get rid of your hot rod magazines whatever it is that's excellent it's excellent something to bring up with that this is probably one of the most profound quotes i've ever read uh, i'm reading a book right now called uh enjoying intimacy with god by j oswald sanders it was released by moody press um He said something incredible. He said, you are as close to God in your life as you want to be. I think that's really important to think about. Right now, I am enjoying as much friendship and intimacy and closeness with God as I want. He always wants more. But the only thing that is limiting me from walking more with Him is my refusal or my pride or my unbelief or my inconsistency in the word or uh, my, my, my negligence in applying what I already know. It's not about making my, my brain bigger, but about giving him more glory in every situation. Um, we're as close as we want to be. And, and I, I, in fact, he says it three times in the same chapter and I'm like, I get it. Stop it. I get it. You know, <laughs> And then you turn to the back of the book. It's the first thing on the back of the book. Uh, but it's an excellent book. If you can find it used, it's an excellent read. It's very challenging. It's called Exp- Enjoying Intimacy with God. In fact, I've got, um, gosh, this is a, a 
rabbit trail subject if we got three minutes enjoying intimacy with god his name is j so j period oswald as in cobblepot sanders it's the penguin's real name come on get up speed um so j oswald cobblepot excellent book very much enjoying it um what's that sanders like colonel sanders <laughs> exactly think chicken um so here's the thing every month in fact we're having one next saturday i didn't I forgot to bring it up today. Uh, it wasn't in the handout. Good grief. I'm really falling to pieces. Um, next Saturday is the next seven practices meeting uh, at 9 a.m. <clears throat> and what seven practices is, is we are, we are looking at seven practices that have been uh, put forward by Andy Stanley's ministry about how to have a church that is really effective in helping people live for the Lord. Uh, there are a lot of things about Andy Stanley's ministry I don't care about. Um, I've, I've been to his church before for conferences. I don't care for the singer standing on the catwalk out in the middle of the congregation and the smoke bombs and stuff going off. And it's real weird. You walk through the hallways and they have All You Need Is Love by the Beatles playing. I don't care for all that stuff. Um, I, I don't doubt his soundness. I just don't think that he's teaching his people deep. But regardless of that, they've come up with... Um, They've come up with seven things that they found have been very effective in helping people to grow. And so the question that we're asking at these meetings are, are these legitimate things that this church would, would be better stewards of everything, time, money, uh, spiritual gifts, uh, ministry, whatever you want to call it? Would, would we be better stewards across the board if we adopted some of these principles to fit the DNA that is Grace Bible Church? And so that's a question we've been asking. And one of the things we've been noticing is, is that if the goal that Jesus has given us is to make disciples of people who are going to turn around and make disciples of other people, uh, the question we're asking is, is, is the church right now, how it's structured, set up to achieve that goal? And I think what we're realizing is that no, it's not. We, we have different programs or studies for people to be a part of, but it's not intentional and in, in, in challenging people to grow in their faith and in, 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 in putting them in a, in a position of what they need to know and not just stop with knowledge, but to give avenues of how to use it. And so that's what we're currently developing. And I can very much see that this Enjoying Intimacy with God book would be something that would be a supplemental book to the idea of what it is to walk in fellowship with Him or to walk in the Spirit. Um, I can see that to be something that would become a mainstay <clears throat> in order to help people grow into being disciples. So anyway, it's the reason why I bring the book up is just it's 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 just really that good. It's a good book. It's been very helpful to go through all the passages that that he brings up and, and to carefully observe them. So that's the reason why why I, I roundabout bring that up over a course of three minutes is is we're in the process of determining what the future of grace bible church will look like and how do you get somebody from a fresh through the door sunday morning attender only into somebody who is actually experiencing a vibrant growing relationship with the lord uh, to where they eventually are turned out to be doing missions or become sunday school teachers or are heavy participants in awana or whatever it is actively serving so that the knowledge just doesn't stop with them the next thing you know, you have a, a backup going on. It's actually being energized. It's energizing people so that they are growing. So 
Maturity is the goal. So that's my little spiel on that. If you want to come seven practices meeting, it's next Saturday at 9 o'clock. We'd love to see you there. We'd love everybody's input. So we're trying to do the best we can to be discerning about it. Usually I have snacks. Somebody bring something. Zach brought some tasty stuff one time. Man, he's a tasty, tasty baker. So it's good stuff. Oh, and by the way, tomorrow at hermeneutics class, AM, and it looks like probably enough for PM, uh, Roxanne brought uh, Santa Domingo coffee. So we're going we're gonna to brew that up. Drink it. Awesome. Yeah. Now, will you bring some IVs and just hook us straight into it? <laughs> I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> oddly enough, I am. All right, so here's the thing. Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you remember, we talked about how this is a chiasm. We can deal with that later if you like. If you didn't get a handout about it, let me know. I have to specially print them on 11 by 14 paper. But I've also uh, given you on that paper a website you can look at. They do a far better job than what I was trying to do of lining it out. But it's interesting to see that there is a main point that Moses is trying to emphasize in this section. And that main point is chapter, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 8. But we're going to start verse 1 and we're going to go through this whole thing and look at it. The emphasis is on the heart and that unless the heart is changed, a person is not changed. There's many of us who will, will deal with someone and usually it's somebody that's gotten into between their 15 and 27-year-old range, right? Where they rule the world, they know everything, nobody can tell them any different kind of idea. And it's not until a mortgage comes along and punches them in the throat that they realize they don't know everything. Or that they've run up credit card debt or that they're having to now suffer consequences because of their sins. That all of a sudden they're reaching out for help and asking for some of that, that, that uh, what do you want to say, guidance and authority to be introduced back into their lives uh what's interesting is is it what we're finding is it doesn't have to be like that but a lot of us have realized when you're trying to speak wisdom into that person's life it's like hitting a brick wall right you're just trying to throw something that you hope sticks and it's all just sliding down the wall into a icky pile of goo at the bottom uh, it doesn't seem to want to how do you change that? I promise you, God understands that more than what we realize. And so let's read that and we'll talk about the address of, of, of what that is. Chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live, important, and multiply, and go in, and possess the land which Yahweh swore to give to your fathers. So God has this promise that He wants the Israelites to be fulfilling, is the idea. I want you to bring this promise to fruition. But you have got to obey in order for your way to be blessed to have it accomplished. So notice the promises that are given here. Notice that you may live. Living is important, yes. Multiplying is important. How do I, Let me think about this for just a second. How do we know without being date setters that we are close to the end times and the rapture of the church? Nothing is left to left to happen, so there's nothing else in prophecy that needs to tick off of the checklist in order to go. The rapture is the next thing. But if you look at China, and you talk about in Revelation 16 where a million man army comes from the east and crosses over the Euphrates River into Israel, what does China do with the females that are born in their country? They kill them. Now you think we got a problem. 
They've got a huge problem. This is what socialism and communism does to people. Okay, It's an ideology that breeds death. So here's the thing. If that's the direction that they're going, they are not going to be able to perpetuate their nation much longer. Does everybody see that? Without bringing in outside sources, and who knows, this may be where, where China goes as far as to get into the heinous act of, of, of sex trade and slavery and those types of things of bringing that stuff in so that they can perpetuate the race. They realize, oh, we made a mistake here. We actually need women, okay? Well, if you've got a million men that are, that are marching in an army, just do the math and the calculation and say, you know what, it's got to be soon. I don't know when, but it's got to be soon. So notice, multiplying is an important thing for a civilization. So that your, your race is perpetuated, your seed is perpetuated amongst them. It's a very important thing. Notice the next part here. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. That you will go in, so it's the actual entrance into a pagan land that is, that is deeded to Israel, yet they are not currently in it, but somebody else has taken this land. Well, it's rightfully for them to go in and overthrow the people of it and notice and possess it. Not just to conquer it, but it's yours. Do the commandments, and these four things will be guaranteed sure yes and amen in your favor. Verse 2, you shall remember all the way that Yahweh your Elohim has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Don't forget your punishment. Don't forget the punishment that was served out. God takes sin seriously. Notice that the verse 1 is a positive thing. Keep these commandments so that good stuff happens. But make no mistake, if you don't keep those things, God will judge you. He can still be faithful to His promise and still spank His kids. Just because He's full of grace and love, grace is never no discipline. That's not grace. A lot of times we think of grace as, well, we're just going to let it go this time. No, every sin was paid for by Jesus. Not one got out from under His sight. So we can't sit here with this idea and think it's just letting things go. It's not. It's bringing all things to accountability. Grace does not supersede truth. If we've got that thinking that grace is just kind of putting our hands in our pockets and letting things go by and turning the other way, we've missed the boat on what grace is. Grace is the fact that God even wants to bother to have any type of relationship with us to begin with because He's not obligated to. But He wants to despite repeated opposition from us to try to push him away he still wants to be actively involved so notice the negative is don't forget what happened in the wilderness those 40 years that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not put your finger here turn to psalm 37 real quick and here's what i think is interesting about psalm 37 predominantly the psalms were written by david David's time is well beyond the time of the settling of the land. I mean, we know that Jerusalem had been captured at that time. And therefore, they were using that as the main hub city to operate out of. That's where Jesus is going to return and sit on the throne of his father, David, his descendant, Psalm 37. But I want to show you this because this whole concept is still prominent in David's time. Psalm 37, look at verse 7. Rest in Yahweh and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Because the man who carries out wicked schemes. Because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. 
Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. You ever got stirred up about something and you couldn't wait any longer and you realized because you acted too rashly you ended up shoving both feet in your mouth? That's always a great feeling, right? Never. Notice this, verse 9. For evildoers will be cut off. Stop. That is a promise from God. Evildoers who want to come against you because of your belief in God, because of your trust in Christ, they're going to be cut off. It's going to happen. It's sad that it does. Hopefully we can be a light to them. But no one escapes. Notice it says after that, but those who wait for the Lord, now watch this, they will what? Inherit the land. Hold it. Time out. Stop. I thought they were already in the land. Isn't David already in the land reigning as a king at the time that he wrote this psalm? Yes. So what in the world does he mean by that? What's that? They will inherit all of it. That's true. That's true. I know it's kind of tongue-in-cheek to say it, but Israel only captured, and right now if you look at it, they're only a little bacon strip there compared to what they should have. They should possess a whole lot more than what they do. But because they failed to obey what God said, they couldn't conquer the entire land and therefore receive the entire inheritance. Notice that even in David's time, the idea of the land is still a prominent point. Why is that? Because directly in relation to being humbled in the wilderness, being tested, knowing what is in your heart, it's all contingent upon whether or not you remain in the land. Because if you don't keep the commandments, he kicks you out of the land. How do we know that's true? The Babylonian exile. I will not put up with it anymore. You guys are so idolatrous to the point where you're sacrificing your children, laying them on burning altars to false demons. No, I'm done. And so he disperses them. He has no problem doing that. Notice he says here, verse 10, Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. Notice, watch, watch this, verse 11. But the humble, there it is, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant. Everybody see that word prosperity? Terrible translation. An abundant shalom. What does shalom mean? Peace. Their existence will be an abundantly peaceful existence. How is that accomplished? Humility. Now, even though we're not Israel, not, even though we're not over in the land, even though the land isn't about us kind of idea, what is a secondary application we can take from this? Humility is always the best way to go. Why? Because it breeds the greatest amount of peace. Don't worry about people that talk and speak against you about those types of things. If you're living righteously for God, we are told in the Sermon on the Mount, count it all joy. Our reward will be great in heaven when people revile us for his name's sake. Look to the eternal. Don't worry about the here and now. It's so much, our existence is so much greater than just what's going on right now. It is. So anyway, I wanted you to see that. Those, the, the idea that the, that, it, that, that, that same concept transfers over those hundreds of years into David's time. The, the principle doesn't change. Humility is always the way to go in those things. Let's go to verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand. And remember what he might make you understand. This is so important. If you don't ever get anything else out of the book of Deuteronomy, get this, because this will last you 
all 66 books of the Bible, that you may know, that you may understand, that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of Yahweh. It's not about what we eat. It's about whether or not we are trusting His Word. Jesus made sure that Satan was reminded of this. That's the very first thing He deals with. Don't worry about what you'll eat. That's not the point. The point is, are you trusting what God has said? God's Word is greater sustenance than bread. Do we really believe that? I'll be honest with you. That's one of the most challenging verses in the Scriptures. To sit here and ask myself, I'm holding a Bible that was printed somewhere in America, hopefully, and costs 60 or more dollars, usually. You see what I'm saying? And here it is in black and white, just like any other book that we would have on our bookshelves, and yet I am to hold fast to the idea that what he says in it is more important than anything else I experience or can relate to in my life. It's God's word above all. You see what I'm saying? That is an extremely radical concept in this day and age. Because we do live in a very prideful and gluttonous society. We, we live in a situation where it's all about, you know, get what you want, you first kind of thing. You know, be all that you can be. Live your best life now. That guy that blinks a lot on TV. And all that crazy stuff, man. And what we find is, no, the Scriptures are more about, be about God's Word, and, and that it. That's it. Now, why is that important? Well, if you remember, we related it back to Deuteronomy 4. Remember, when Yahweh spoke to you, Israel, you didn't see a form. It wasn't about an idol. It wasn't about a false god. It wasn't about, um, oh, this. I think this looks like the sea, or I think this looks like the birds of the air. It was not carving any of that junk. What you heard was His Word. He didn't put a form in front of you and say, let this be what you focus your mind on. Because we like that, right? We like images. We do. we do. Let me give you an example. When you think of, of Donald Trump's image, what do you think of? His hair. We all do. We all do. And anybody says that they don't is lying to you, trying to be a nice person. Everybody does. Why? Because images matter to us. We gravitate towards images of people. Pay attention, the next time elections and things come back, and the reason why we talk about public figures and political figures is because it is all about image and how you look and presentation and all those things. It is all about what we perceive ourselves to be. Regardless if you believe this or not, I beautified myself to be here today. Yeah, I shaved. I took a shower. I washed my hair. I know, doesn't happen a lot. I even used soap. You see what I'm saying? I even put lotion on my face because my face is so chapped from the crazy weather. What is it? Let me see it. What? Let me see it. Amen. I love it. It's good. I didn't catch it up there. But appearances... What was that? See, this is the whole reason. This is the whole reason why we had to put a screen on the back. It's because I knew that Captain Do Dirty was back there running everything. So, um, but no, seriously, images matter to people. And notice that notice that Yahweh's plea with the Israelites is, get your mind off the things that are seen, and get your mind on the word that was spoken to you audibly from the top of this mountain. It's all about God's word. 
All of it. Now, why is that important? Um, Look at verse 4. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell for 40 years. So that's a miracle in itself. Thus, you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now, here's what I want to do, because this is the point I wanted wanted to make sure that we we got before we moved on to chapter 9. It's important. If you want in your own time, and we've covered it a couple of weeks already, read through from verse uh, 7 to the end of the chapter later in your own time. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do is turn back to chapter 6. Because we we have got to grasp this idea. If the problem is the heart, if the idea of the rebellious teenager, young adult is that they're not going to listen to anybody because they've got it all figured out, and we're telling them what they need to do, and we're trying to point them in the way that they need to go, and then when they don't, we're pulling our hair out. The question is, how do you affect change in people? The heart has to be changed. There's no other way. God knows this. And so God gives a formula for how it's supposed to happen. So, chapter 6, verse 1, look at it carefully. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which Yahweh your Elohim has commanded me to teach you. Now, watch this. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. Now, similar language, yes. In fact, notice it's repetitious throughout the book so far. We're seeing this over and over and over again. Sometimes it's got variation, but we're seeing this constantly coming forward. Now, watch what happens here. So that, here's the reason, you and your son and your grandson might fear Yahweh your Elohim to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. So notice also a long life. Oh Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as Yahweh your Elohim of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's what we see. Keep the commands, 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 and these good things will happen. Keep the commands, and this will be good. Keep the commands, and God will bless this. Keep the commands, keep the commands. Well, you know, you really shouldn't be driving that fast. Well, you know, if you keep eating all that junk food, it's going to hurt you. You shouldn't spend that much time on the internet. Everybody see the keep the commands, keep the commands, keep the commands, it goes on. Okay, Yahweh is the best parent I know, okay? So watch what he does here. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, pay attention, son, right? In fact, you find that all throughout the Proverbs. Son, listen to your father, right? Lend attention to your mother and do not disregard her, that kind of stuff. That's a big thing we're struggling with today. Nathaniel, listen, two years old, listen, don't touch that, listen. Finally, we have to grab him by the shoulders and look at his little face and go, Listen! Don't laugh. You've been there. Right? We know. We know. We know. And let me tell you guys a secret. We're no different with God. How often is He like, Listen! A lot. Now watch what He does. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Notice He's putting the main thing. God. Yahweh is God. Here it is. 
front and center. Now remember, we looked at that word one. It means a complex one, like the man will leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. It's a unity made up of two. It's a compound. Now watch what he does here. How do you teach the heart? How do you get what you're commanding to do in the heart? Watch this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. What part of that is excluded? Does everybody want to be loved? Find me somebody to love. Find me somebody. Everybody, I mean, dude, we sing about it all the time. Unbreak my heart. Say you'll love me again. Right? You turn on your radio, you listen to any span of music, and pagans are crying out, somebody love me. We all have the capacity and the want to give love and to receive love. Love is to be directed in one way. One of the most profound lessons in leadership is the people that you are leading will value what you value. It just happens. That's just, it just naturally trickles over into that. Well, it's no different. Parenting is leadership. It is. As a parent, what do we value? Whatever we value, our children will at least have some sort of respect in valuing. Don't get me wrong, they all got the sin streak, I get it. But they're going to see, this is important. This matters. So what does an active love relationship in the parenting sphere look like to a child who is watching it? Everybody see that? Notice that's the first place to start. Number one, love God with everything. Everything. Have any of you sat there and explained to your child that God made you their parent? That's a different approach. Well, actually, God put me in your life to be your dad. That's an interesting conversation to have with a two-year-old. Because he's just like, yeah. You know? Guess what? You may not fully comprehend it now, but that truth won't change the rest of our lives. I'm always your dad. And God is the one who did that. So that authority structure doesn't change. And notice this. It goes beyond me to someone greater than me. It's no longer a because I said so. It's because God gave me charge and authority over you. There's where it rests. So my, if, any, if my son needs to see anything out of me as a parent, it is a love with my heart, with my soul, and with my might. And if you ever want to do word studies on that, heart, soul, might, good word studies. Because you really start to fill out what that looks like practically in everyday life. Excellent stuff. That's the first thing that needs to happen. And then notice the next thing in verse 7. You shall teach who? Teach your children diligently. Teach them diligently to your sons. Somebody tell me what diligently is. Every opportunity, persistence, without tiring, relentless. What's that? Intentionally. There is no other way but this way. That's so narrow-minded, you bigot. No! Either God is right or God is wrong. But don't tell me He's half right and partially wrong. 
See, this comes back to what am I focusing on? God's Word. God said this. So I am to teach my child diligently, constantly pursuing him. This is why I praise God for Awana. Even when parents are failing, the Word of God is still getting into them somehow. And Deb and Scott and everybody else who's involved do a fantastic job. And not just getting these verses into the kids' minds, but explaining to them why it is what it is. They're not just throwing it up in order to get an A on a test. They can actually tell you, here's what this means. Incredible. Incredible. So notice, my job as the parent is to be loving God, and that pours over because that's important to me in leading my home. It trickles over on everybody that I am leading. And on top of that, I am to diligently teach. Not always in the same way. Some children learn differently than others. That's okay. Adopt it. Adapt it. Adopt it and adapt it. But notice it says after that, teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house. It almost reads like Dr. Seuss a little bit, doesn't it? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Everything about me, everything that proceeds from me, and everything around me needs to be completely saturated with God's Word and sold out for His glory. Period. No intrusions, no invaders, no exceptions. That sounds really hard to do. It does. Because a lot of times, with where we live, we've allowed the cancer of the world to gain a foothold and begin infecting large parts of our existence. And anybody knows, the longer that you let cancer grow, the harder it is to remove and the greater the fatality rate to get it out. So if direct TV has become a bear trap on our foot, I guarantee you that if we don't saw that foot off, it will take your leg as well. I'm just bringing up one thing to infiltrate that. And here's the reason why that's important for me is because one time we were going through DirecTV and you know how you can go through like, okay, HDMI 1 and 2 and here's where your DVD player is and that kind of thing. We went back to the cable one night and I kid you not, on cable, a naked woman is right there. It's not Showtime, it's not Cinemax, it's not HBO, it's not any other thing. It was a basic cable channel that you got and she had no shirt on whatsoever. And my wife looked at me, she goes, what are you watching? I'm like... I just turned the TV back to this. What are you talking about? But here's the thing. If that was just in the channels, and kids are smart, click, click, click. Do I want my son seeing that? And then I had to ask myself the question. Do I really need to be concerned with a lot of stuff that's on there anyway? Do I have to get rid of ESPN? Oh my gosh health of my child and seeing naked people ESPN it almost seems silly when we weigh it out like that doesn't it but let's be honest guys even if that was even if there were different factors that we would hold dear as far as what this world tries to sell us we would sit there and rationalize whether or not we could make it how can I how can I just well that'll never happen to me well I'll just I'll just make sure that never happens 
You learn real quickly, you have very little control. All you can do is lead in the proper way. And lead in such a way to where the heart gets changed. That's why Moses is going on and on and on. The heart, the heart, the heart. Because until the heart is changed, nothing changes. Kids act differently. Kids learn how to hide it. We act differently. Nobody will ever see this. Find ways to cover it up. I mean, we're, we're great deceivers. I'm the best deceiver I know. That's not what God has called us to do. Know His Word, enact His Word, teach His Word. It's all about His Word. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would reevaluate where we are in life and think about what it is to see the heart change. Maybe it's not a heart that we're directly responsible for. Maybe it's our own heart that we recognize needs to be changed. And if that's the case, we need to love You with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We need to be taught diligently and be teaching diligently, whether we're lying down, whether we're rising up, whether we're sitting in the house, whether we're walking by the way, regardless of what it is, we need to have it all over us. And we need to be about it and sold out to it at all costs. The best possible life to live is the one that walks with you. And help us all realize a very sober reminded we are all as close to you as we desire to be right now at this moment. So help us, Father, to pray through these things, and to respond favorably to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone.